You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. And this is where it gets a little bit strange. Their main fail point is that they don't understand what a human being really is. We are embodied souls. Okay, and, and really the, the immaterial is more fundamental than the physical, and they just don't understand that. It's much more complicated to develop this type of neural network that will actually be able to think independently than researchers believe. I interviewed uh, Dr. Hugo de Garris, who's the author of a book called The Artelect War, uh, and he believes that artificial intelligence is going to pose an existential threat to humanity. But he describes why he quit his job as head of the brain lab at the university in China. Uh, he said he was doing great engineering but lousy science. They were plugging in this data into these black boxes, these neural networks, and they were getting the results they wanted out the other side. But he didn't know why. Great engineering but lousy science. So these guys, these researchers who are looking for the day when AI takes over and we transcend the limits of our biology are putting their faith in a black box that they do not understand. Here's Basil and Gons. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 95. 95. When we started Canary Cry Radio back in 2012, we saw that the march towards a technological singularity and the advent of transhumanism was first a secular enterprise, but second an occult and esoteric endeavor relating back to the earliest forms of spiritual practices such as Kabbalah, alchemy, and the ancient mystery schools. From our Christian worldview, at least from the one Basil and I share, the eschatological catalyst is the arrival of the Antichrist, his beast kingdom, which will eventually usher in the return of Christ to judge and restore the world with a new heavens and a new earth. Included in the promise of his return is an event known as the resurrection of the dead, where the dead in Christ rise first and are given new, indestructible, immortal bodies. Contrary to this Christian end times view is the idea that humanity, through the progress of technology and science, will ultimately achieve immortality and thus salvation, or so we thought. Our guest today is a pastor, husband, and father. He is a graduate of the world's first ever Doctor of Ministry program focusing specifically on theology and science from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. He also has advanced degrees in ministry and theology of ethics from Princeton Theological Seminary and is currently working on a fourth in technology and theology at Durham University in England. He has been featured all over the place from the New York Times, Fox News, RT, Christianity Today, Motherboard, The Daily Show, and now Canary Cry Radio. We want to welcome our guest today, Reverend Christopher Bennick. Whew, Christopher, mm. how you doing, bud? Great. Thanks for having me on the show. That is the most intense intro I think we've ever had. That was really intense. It was. I felt intense doing it. Yeah, you looked intense, I'm sure, <laughs> to anybody around you. Now, My dog. Chris... What does this say here? It says you've the first doctorate of theology. No, first science. Yeah, so it's a it's a doctor of ministry actually, which is a practical degree um, um, that focused on science and theology. Uh, oh. And so the American Association for the Advancement of Science uh, got together with. Um, Bill Carl, who is, was the president of Prince or uh, Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and uh, and Dr. Carl had uh, an interest in neuroscience, and so the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science folks uh, said, "Hey, uh, we don't necessarily think that um, science and theology are at odds, like a lot of the new atheists are are contending. We think it would be helpful for you to have a degree 
in which pastors are educated on science, some of these scientific issues and then are able to speak uh, in a way, uh, you know, that, that integrates uh, the Christian tradition with them. Uh, right. And so, um, so I, I was in that, in the first cohort of that, there were a lot of really interesting folks in there, people who most of I, my background is ethics prior to that as uh, what I studied at Princeton, uh, did my master's work in, uh, but there were folks who had genetics backgrounds. And, uh, one guy was, uh, uh, was a forensic scientist for the FBI before he was a pastor and a uh, bunch of different people who done different things in, in the scientific realm. And, uh, and so they got that cohort together and we were kind of the, the guinea pigs for the, the beginning of that program. So I'm, wow. I'm a product of, of, of that. So that's kind of the, the origins of that. That's kind of that's cool. really cool. Actually, that's, that's something, you know, we, I think everybody with a sound mind can um, reasonably say that there needs to be some more understanding of science within the the clergy, if you will. And that's a cool uh, program. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, so just, just pretty new. So Very cool. So why don't you give us a little bit more of your background, you know, how you got into um, reverending and also sciencing. Uh, sure. Well, um, I didn't grow up in the church, actually. Uh, um, I, I became a Christian late in college, and um, and it was just kind of a God thing. I ended up at seminary. I um, was absolutely unequipped to go to Princeton Seminary, uh, uh, but uh, was a great experience for me. I got to study with uh, some folks, and and one person I, that mentored me there was Max Stackhouse, who um, is an ethicist and has has written a bunch of um, uh, pretty pretty great books. I would say uh, he did a, a series uh, on God and globalization. I think that was a four part series and dealt with technology and some other things. So part of my um, interest in, in science came about because I was dealing with a lot of ethics classes and, um, and prior to becoming a Christian, I was a pre-law, um, a pre-law student. And mostly I was pre-law because I grew up in a trailer park and people around me didn't have a whole lot of money. And so when I went to college, uh, lawyers were people I associated with money, so I went to be a lawyer, and and that and God got a hold of me and said, "Well, that that's not what I want you to do," and uh, and so I ended up at seminary. So, um, so it's kind of organically come about for me. And then, um, you know, my interest in science, um, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm a I'm a pastor. I'm a theologian. But, um, uh, but but I do think. Um, you know, there are some things that science and theology share, and one is that uh, we are looking towards the future um, and, you know, what our reality for humanity is going to be. And so I think um, that's something where there's a hope there. Um, and, and you know, I see technology as a tool that can be used for good or for evil. And my hope is that uh, Christians will begin to embrace technology in a way that, uh, you know, promotes, uh, Christ, um, you know, purposes in the world. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of how, uh, I've got involved with that. I've, I've got national acclaim, mainly international acclaim because, um, uh, mainly because I've said some very, I think, basic gospel things. And I, I, I'm not sure that, um, uh, the vast majority of the world's media at least uh, has heard the gospel. And so, um, you know, when I talk about people participating uh, in Christ's redemptive purposes, uh, you know, I don't mean that, um, 
you know, Christ has won the victory, but he calls us to be engaged in his purposes here, here on earth. And, uh, but when I talk about those things, those seem to be kind of radical outside the box things for the media. And so they've picked up on some of that stuff and, and, uh, and get excited about it. But right. uh, you talked about the embracing of Christians, embracing technology. And, you know, I, I would say that a lot of Christians have embraced technology. In what way are you differentiating, you know, what, because, I mean, I would say a majority of Christians, at least in America, but, you know, definitely around the world, are online, for example, you know. So, I, I, when you say embrace, what sort of meaning does that have for you? Well, I, I think, you know, we're, uh, Christians have been fed for some while now that, you know, science and theology just don't go together. And, and I just don't see that as being the case and uh and and then that extends into kind of the technological realm and, and we get shoved out um you know there are folks like richard dawkins who would just say um you know christians really have no business being involved with this because you believe in faith and not evidential facts and and i, I don't necessarily see that as being being the case i, I think we live in a balance between those two. And I think so does science. Um, and part of the, you know, scientific process is uh, imagining um, the things that we would test and try to empirically prove. And so um, I think, you know, for us to, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of my congregants, for example, in, in the past, I've noticed um, for whatever reason, based on cultural norms, feel like they need to check their science card at the door uh, when they when they come to church. And, and I've just tried to encourage them to say, no, that, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, we want your vocational expertise to come in, and we want to explore, what, since God has called you into whatever your vocation is, uh, how can you use that uh, to advance the kingdom purposes of Christ on earth? And so, um, so that's mostly what I mean. Um, uh, but, you know, then it gets into kind of specifics, particularly, I think you guys were been interested in some of the futuristic technology and then kind of theologically extrapolating, well, you know, uh, if we put, um, you know, a hermeneutic, um, you know, a theological hermeneutic over this kind of technological uh, activity that's going on, uh, you know, what does that, what does that mean for us and what might we be able to extrapolate uh, that means for Christians in general? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say in terms of what you said about science, and Christianity or just theology in general uh, not being sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, compatible, I would say that that's not true. Uh, and I think Basil sort of embodies that, at least on this show, he's always been, <coughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I, no, I think that's something we definitely agree on. And I think a lot of the listeners here as well, I mean, a lot of what we talk about is is, is very based in scientific findings and scientific fact and you know, we do talk about UFOs, but uh that's science you know, still kind of. Kind <laughs> There's parts of. of it that are science. <laughs> it's 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 science adjacent. <laughs> um, uh, but I think uh, another big thing that we talk about here on the show, which as you're aware is part of the reason you're here, is uh the the whole concept of transhumanism. And and you guns, you can stop me if we're jumping into it too early here, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you're saving it to like a like a fine pate. No, no. But um, based on an article you wrote, Chris, called Why Christians Should Embrace Transhumanism. Whoa. Did anybody else hear that little robot noise? I did. Do you have a robot yeah. there, Chris? Uh, I, 
I don't. I wish I did. That would be Chris. <laughs> are you actually, a robot? I, well, that's that's a larger theological conversation. Actually. We might get we might get there. Actually. Oh boy, that sounds fun. I do have I do have a robot here actually, but it's not the kind that would make that noise. So. Ugh. Well, it's get just on a it. Toy. <laughs> so so based on your article. Uh, why Christians should embrace transhumanism. Now, this is actually a, a conversation that we've been having for quite a while. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't think we're militantly, um, against any form of transhumanism. It's actually a conversation that we are forced to have, uh, <laughs> actually a little bit too often than we probably should. But, uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of a rundown for those of us who haven't read the article? Um, uh, what are your thoughts on transhumanism as you understand it? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's important from the get-go to, to talk about defining what transhumanism is. And there's, there's different, there's right now, there's an ideological battle going on for what transhumanism is and what it should be. Uh, and there are some aspects of transhumanism uh, that I think, um, I, I might not agree with everything that you said kind of in the, in the, you know, introduction to the conversation here but 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 some of those things i would say are accurate and concerning and for so um uh, it, and a lot of it has to do with how you define um the prefix trans so th there's a couple different ways that you can understand that one understanding of that uh word trans that prefix is that it means post-human and uh, I think there's two delineations of what that could mean for people. Some mean that uh, eventually that we will technologically modify ourselves as human beings. So, and if you think about, people kind of have to get by the technological modification thing as an idea. That's already happening. I mean, uh, in some ways we're doing a res restoration process, but um right now but we are actually advancing ourselves as well so like we get artificial uh knees and hips people don't blink about that i'm sure you know people that have had that done uh i've got in my mouth actually uh, my front tooth which you can't see but uh you just have to take my word for it is a 3d printed uh tooth uh that's there because i had a basketball somebody elbowed me when i was a, a kid in high school and uh so my dentist you know scanned my mouth and built a 3D tooth and printed it in a 3D printer in our office and installed it in my mouth. And I thought, wow, that's going to be crazy. But now it's just part of my mouth. I don't think anything of it. Um, you know, people get pacemakers, they get cochlear implants uh, to regulate themselves, which technically, you know, those kind of devices work with systems. So that means they're technically um, low level cyborgs. Um, and then you can get things like LASIK eye surgery, um, for example, that actually increases, uh, can give you 2015 better than perfect vision if you get it. Um, so there are, you know, and there's, you can go on and on and on about these things. So we do modify ourselves and, 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 uh, the question is, is it, will someday will we modify ourselves to the point where some of these folks use the word post to mean, uh, that we will no longer be human as a species, uh, will be beyond what it means to be human as a species. Other people use that word post uh, to mean that we just won't be um, what we see as our biological, uh, current biological matter that makes us up as human will be changed. Uh, and um, 
and you know we'll we'll be kind of like a modified version of of our bodies now is how they're using that word post and then i use the uh, the word uh trans the way i use it as a definition is is to say um across so across the scope of the potential of what it might mean to be human so and what i'm advocating is that instead of um having a limited idea of of what we are as human beings and what our potential is in the in the image of god uh that maybe what we're doing is is we're seeing a very uh low level of what we are now um you know, the basic ideas of transhumanism come out of an idea that that human beings are evolving. And I don't want to get into, because I know Christians, and I know Christians that I know and love that have different opinions of, you know, origins of human beings. So I'm not going to get into an evolution debate with people because I don't think that's productive. I wasn't there. So, um, and the way I address that with people is to say, you know, if you get to heaven and God said, I did it this way, I would not, you know, I would advise you not to argue with God on it. Right. Uh, he probably knows. So, um, so the, but what I, what I would say is that we can at least look at the resurrection and we can agree that human beings evolve at least through resurrection. And, um, and Jesus, you know, his body is in some ways just like ours now, or, you know, you can touch it. Uh, he's hungry. It's almost funny. Like he shows up in the middle of rooms, uh, kind of appears in rooms and, people haven't seen him resurrected before and he's asking for food, you know, right, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, these kind of humorous things, uh, but, but, but his body is different. And so, um, so we see that there is some change and then there's some things where like, you know, people engage Jesus, but they don't necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily recognize him until he engages in ritual actions. So it's, it's kind of like he's like shapeshifter Jesus, you know, his, the, the matter of his body has changed. He can walk through doors. He can, you know, or uh, lock doors or appear out of thin air or these different, these different kind of things that we see. So scripturally. So the question is, is, you know, what does it mean to be human? And at least from a sense of resurrection, uh, we see that there, there is some change in our physicality. Now I, I've gone so far as to say, you know, um, a lot of this idea of transhumanism comes out of the idea of the singularity, um, which it eventually uh, ar articulates that someday we'll be able to create artificial intelligence that's smarter than us. Uh, and hypothetically, that would be able to have, you know, be involved in recursive self-improvement. And so kind of exponentially then, uh, you know, we would be able to be improved with or um you know, at least our official intelligence would be be improved. Um, I th I think when we think about that, it causes us to then think about the from a theological standpoint, um, kind of who we are as human beings. And what I'm advocating is this: that we talk about transhumanists as across the scope of what it means to potentially be human as opposed to this post uh, idea of post-human. And I think that's valuable for Christians because when we think about uh, God and we think about our relationship with God, uh, I think one of the first things we need to recognize is that we are not God. Uh, I think that's pretty basic gospel. And, uh, and, um, and insofar as that is the fact, we are already artificial intelligence. Um, so when you asked me if I was a robot, well, it kind of depends on what you mean by that. So I, I've hypothesized that all matter is actually God's technology. Uh, and in that, that regard, I'm 
you know, I am artificial intelligence. So are you. Um, and, you know, in the theological idea of co-creation of people get hung up with the word co because they make it think like we're equal with God, but it just means with God, you know, it's like a child with their parent kind of thing. Um, you know, if we're, if we're able in, in made in God's image, like a child would be made in, in a parent's uh, image, if we're able to kind of grow up and do some of these things, uh, uh, like God, like create, then we would be able to develop some of these things. And so I think it's important for Christians to engage technology and uh, gauge this idea of transhumanism so that they can own it, so that the other version of transhumanism actually isn't imposed on the world. Uh, and the, the this post idea, there are a lot of transhumanists out there that I would say are very atheistic. Um, and, you know, I'm not so concerned. I mean, there's plenty of atheists that are reasonable people, but there's also some atheists that are angry, and we have some Christians that are angry, too. Um, but, but you know, reasonably, uh, you know, those folks are not the folks that are advocating essentially that they be something that would develop into self-worship right. or idolatry. So, so uh, this is important, I think, because it's something where I'm trying to get Christians to be involved with the transhumanist movement so they can shape it. And I'll tell you that folks that I've talked with uh, that, you know, that are transhumanists of, of the post kind that mean we're going to eventually not be human anymore, this worries them that Christians are getting involved with this. They're afraid we're going to take their movement over uh, and, and, and have input on that. But I think that's appropriate accountability. Uh, for the stewardship of uh, God's technology, which is matter uh, that we have responsibility for as Christians. Right. So you talk about the this transhumanism, kind of accepting the scope of what it means to be human. And surely we can sort of accept that being human is more than being flesh and blood. Uh, it's more than having your original hips. It's more than uh, it not getting LASIK eye surgery, surely. Um, there's a lot that goes into that. But it, in the case of transhumanism, you know, we have a couple different ways of looking at it. We have a uh, technological sort of machinery robotic side of it. And then on the other side, there's a, a sort of a biological tampering side of it. Genetic enhancements. Right. Stuff like that, yeah. Genetic enhancements, things like that. Now, included in your acceptance of this or, or, or hoping that, in fact, Christians would kind of take it over and guide the conversation of transhumanism, um, does that include the, the biological aspect, the genetic aspect? And does that uh, come in contact with any theology with you, for you? Yeah, I mean, I think really we'd have to talk about what specific aspect that we're talking about. Like, so for example, um, you know, you have to be very careful because I think it's what people are concerned about, and rightly so, is that you can run down kind of the road of eugenics on some of these things, and uh, um, you know, and and this or or a utilitarian model, and I think that's part of why we need the accountability. Uh, that comes with being part of Christian community involved with this, because what you don't want is you don't want people acting like demigods and going out and just kind of doing whatever they want technologically. You do want to have conversations. You want to talk about, well, what is beneficial and what isn't? I think, you know, when you get into genetics, if, if at a theological level, you understand that we are God's artificial intelligence and that 
all matter is God's technology, then what we perceive as technology and we dis- differentiate between, you know, biological matter uh, really just means that our technology isn't that great. So if you watch science fiction shows, which I'm assuming since you talk about aliens, you probably do, right? You've seen, uh, have you seen Battlestar Galactica, for example? Sure. Yeah. So Battlestar Galactica, the idea is that technologically, you know, they develop the Cylon and then the Cylon uh, the technology improves and it becomes biological matter, right? So it's it's very similar kind of mentality that uh, eventually that our technology would get to the point where it, it would imitate gods. Uh, and so the question is then what flexibility do we have within that? And is what we currently understand ourselves to be as human the limitations of what it actually means to be human. So uh, what I always kind of pose to people is, you know, the easy thing for us to do, and I think it's appropriate for us to do, obviously, and we're instructed as followers of Christ to do, is to compare ourselves with Jesus because Jesus is, um, you know, theologically fully human or fully God um, and both and, and that's a mystery to us. Um, The thing that we don't consider as much is the fact that if we're made in the image of God, Uh, It means we're, and we believe that God is a Trinitarian God. We don't talk a lot about how we're made in the image of the Creator God or how we're made in the image of the Spirit God. And technology, you know, with our with our technological development, our uh, our growth in that, we may begin to start to explore what it means to be made uh, more in those aspects of the God of God. Now, that doesn't mean that. it doesn't mean that we aren't human anymore. It just might mean that we're experiencing uh, our humanity in a fuller way. So, you know, if Jesus uh, can appear out of thin air, he goes somewhere and comes somewhere, you know what I mean? And the question as well is, is there a, uh, you know, is there, is he and his humanity, uh, is he uh, living proof of some kind of uh, Trinitary understanding of what it means to be made in God. So is there an, is there an aspect of us that could be uh, more spiritually understood? And, um, and I think from a technological standpoint, at least what I've read, um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some folks out there that really write some interesting things and, and uh, communication um, theorists talk about uh, how matter at a very basic level uh, can be coded, and you might have heard simulation theory or some other right. things. But, but uh, you know, if, if uh, matter can be coded like essentially like um, you know computer data, data, um, then I actually think you know you start looking at the gospel with that understanding and understanding Jesus as somebody who has access to that, and then miracles become um, you know far more understandable for us as christians in some way if you if uh, water has the option of being coated in different ways and jesus walks on it and he uh you know and the fascinating thing is when you look at you know there's all these tests that the thing that determines what state matter is in is is the fact that it's observed uh right. which you, you've probably discussed some of this stuff before so yeah. so what's fascinating is like if you observe something uh you know i i, I kind of I actually take those statements that Jesus says. I think he's being literal when he talks about if, if you know, if you have faith, you can move mountains kind of thing. Um, I, I don't think that's a figurative statement. And I think proof of that is we see his miracles. Uh, you know, Jesus walks on water. Well, you know, that may seem an impossibility, but if it's, uh, he can solidify it under his feet, 
uh, by observing it and having the faith to do it. Uh, if he can look at disease in a person and, and change it to health, because that's another pattern that's a, a vi- viable thing, uh, it's a manipulation of, of you know, technology. And so I think we're not at that place, most of us. Um, and that's not to say that God doesn't supernaturally, um, you know, intervene with people so that they're able to do things that, um, um, obviously we see the disciples are able to do some of these things and they may not know how they're doing it, but they're articulating that it's through the spirit that they're doing it. Uh, but God can empower people to do that. So I, I think when we start to look at what the scope and the breadth of what it might mean to be human, uh, I think that the, the technological advancement offers a, a lot of uh, things for us to consider. So when you sure. get into genetic modification, for example, then you'd have to kind of start de- having conversations in community. Well, you know, is this helpful? Is this not helpful? I mean, I don't think people are going to ar- argue against ge- genetic modification if it rids the world of cancer. You know what I mean? And right. so it is the genetic modification for Christ's redemptive purposes in the world. Although and, that is how 28 Days Later started, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so. you know, and, and I will say you and I probably have a different theological perspective on, uh, based on what you said, and I might be wrong, but, you know, I, I don't know if you've read any N.T. Wright, but, but you know, I kind of, I, I subscribe more to his understanding of the world and, uh, and, and the Gospels. Uh, and and my, my understanding via right is is that you know there's there's two main perspectives there there's the perspective that uh eventually the world is going to go to hell in a handbasket and christ is going to come back and save us and really we can't do a whole lot about that so uh we just kind of hold fast and try to be faithful and jesus will save us and um and you know and i think i don't know if you're you know you've read the parable though wheat and the weeds, the weed and the wheat. But, you know, that parable talks about, you know, how, and Jesus talks about this in his own words. On one hand, the kingdom is growing and it's getting better than it ever has been before. And on the other hand, evil is growing and it's worse than it's ever been before. I think if we look at the world, we see that, you know, Uh, I see from a right standpoint, the other perspective uh, that it's not going to go to hell in a handbasket, that when Jesus comes, he begins to interlock heaven and earth. And part of our job as Christians, as stewards of the earth, is to be participatory in responding to how the Spirit calls us uh, to help in those redemptive purposes. And so, uh, so we work towards things and you know, and I think if you see Christians using good use of technology, it explains why there are less people hungry in the world than ever before. There are more people that have access to clean water. You know, there are, are um, you know, there are people who medically, uh, you know, I always use the exa- example of people going to the dentist. Uh, if you go to the dentist, you know, 20 years ago, it was a miserable experience. If you go to the dentist now, it's like going to a day spa. You know what I mean? Like my doctor used to well, say, Hey, you don't need, yeah. you don't, <laughs> I don't well, agree with that, I guess it yeah, depends yeah. on how bad, but my dentist, I want to go to a, your dentist. <laughs> my, my dentist, when I went to my dentist as a kid used to be, ah, you don't need Novocaine. We'll just, you know, work on right. that cavity with that. Now it's like, you know, they're, uh, they've got scented candles and they're, you know, the TV's right. on and, you know, uh, they're, they're very worried about my pain management and all these different things. And so I think things are getting better. On the flip side, there are things that are certainly worse in the world than they've ever been before. Uh, and, you know, proof of that is you can push a button and you can eliminate a continent. 
And so, um, so it's, it's one of those things where, yes, are there dangers to technology? Certainly. But as, uh, you know, as Christ's kingdom people, I think what we are called to do is to engage the world and to use technology for the betterment of it. And where people try to use technology uh, for selfish or uh, for purposes that aren't of, of Christ, then I think our job is to publicly call them on that right. uh, and to be engaged. And, and we, we need to do that with humility, um, you know, not, not necessarily with judgment, but with humility to say, hey, we don't think these things are, are good and, you know, work, work towards, towards uh, yeah. kingdom purpose. Well, I, can, I, I understand. I think that's a good, uh, a good concept when it comes to, you know, Christians guiding sort of the conversation where things are going. I think there's a lot of concern, absolutely, about where that leads. And, and we'll, we'll get back into the genetic modification question because we kind of strayed a little bit off of it. But, uh, I mean, another concern is you were talking about how technology can connect with or can mimic or have, has the ability to replicate some of the miracles done by Christ. And uh, I think that that could cause some alarm for some Christians out there, uh, you know, if you if you make the comparison of like, uh, say Moses doing miracles and, and Pharaoh saying, "Oh well, I have sorcerers who can do the same thing," and so you have you know Christ walking on water, and then if we come with technology or some sort of transhumanistic um, identity then that suddenly we can walk on water. I think there's a, a, a level of hubris that might come with that, or maybe, uh, I mean, from your certainly learned theological standpoint, do you see any uh, traction with that? Well, I, I think first to say, as, as followers of Christ, our identity always has to be with Christ. So, um, you know, a, any kind of other adjectives or identity that we go go with, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, our, our identity comes, you know, um, in God through Christ. And so, uh, I think that's important to recognize. I, I don't see it as a problem though. I mean, I think we heal people now in ways that we've never healed people in, in the past. And I don't think God has a problem with that personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that that's fine. And so, you know, walking on water is like, I don't know what our practical purpose would be to spend billions of dollars to figure out how we walk on water. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like building a hoverboard. It's cool. It'd be but pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. But you know, it's like, is that our, our main priority? I, I personally wouldn't advocate for that, but, but, but what I'm saying is kind of more at, uh, if we begin to look at our, technology uh, as matter and and we understand that God is giving us creative powers over matter with within the scope of what it means to be a follower of Christ then I think what we do is we try to create create things that help with that so if that means that we can someday create where you know what you can just uh, touch somebody and they're healed because of technological development, well, you know, the Spirit of God is in that, I believe. You know what I mean? Like, I believe the Spirit of God is working through um, a surgeon's hands. I mean, we pray those prayers all the time with people. Let God, uh, please guide the surgeon's hands. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, and certainly now we have robots that perform surgery on people, um, you know? And so should we ask for the Spirit to be involved through that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's God's 
God's creation, right? And so, right. Uh, so, so I just think it's logical for us to say, well, these technological things, we should ask for God's spirit to be working through it. And I don't, I don't worry about that. You know, I mean, if, if, um, if someday someone is able to move a mountain or part the Red Sea <laughs> or whatever their options are, you know what I mean? I'm not threatened by that as long as it's in Christ. But if they're doing it for some other purpose, for their own glorification or, um, you know what I mean, for their own exaltation, then right. then I would be concerned about it. So, again, this is like my my why I'm saying people should embrace transhumanism is you see at the end of that article um, is, you know, Christians currently by a vast majority outnumber the current number of Christians. If we were to say, you know what, we don't think transhumanism uh if we use the word trans to mean across the scope of what it might mean to be made in the image of God, um, we don't think that's a bad idea. And we actually want to be part of these conversations. I think what could happen is we could be a vast impact uh, on what technologies are developed and taking care of the poor and the hungry and those, you know, uh, the least of these. And I think we're called to do that and to be advocates. So whether you're a tech, you know, you're a tech guru or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is, as a community of faith, we're we're helping those technologies. We're being good stewards. You know, we're promoting being good stewards. So, right. you know, just like if you have stuff at your house that you use, I would say, you know, I'd encourage you to use that stuff for Christ's purposes in the world. And if you're not, then I would say, well, why do you have that stuff? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and and so, yeah, I, I would. Um, I, I'm glad you came on because I can sort of grasp where you're coming from better and that's that's what i was hoping for and i can meet you a little bit you know in terms of in terms of you know being responsible for the technology and having a focus on christ on the whole issue i I, you know obviously i don't think we're going to disagree with that uh the sort of dualistic view that you shared earlier about from right nt right and his two different views about the future uh, i would say that it's possible that it's both um, it, it could be in that it's all it could be. Yeah. In, in that, you know, we are, yes, we are responsible. Yes. We can guide the conversation. We obviously we are improving health, longevity of life, getting rid of diseases. These things are happening, which is a good thing. Uh, and I can see the theological argument of the idea of bettering or the idea of healing comes from, you know, a theological or biblical perspective that therefore, you know, you can move forward with it. I can see that. Um, but at the same time, it's hard for me personally to ignore some of the passages in scripture, a lot of the passages that have eschatological ramifications that seem to suggest, and I'm doing the same thing in terms of, and I think there's a whole community of us doing the same thing where we apply this new world of technology over our theology. And I think the more interesting part is eschatology. And obviously there's different views in eschatology, but we see technology fitting in perfectly with some of the things that have been prophesied that are supposed to happen that involve the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the image of the beast, these things that have um, pretty heavy ramifications for humanity and how it is saved and how it is brought back to, you know, restoration and all this stuff. Those ideas seem to also be on the path of where you're saying we should go down. So I think it could be both, but what do you say to that? How is your eschatology, would you say, uh, contrary or different to that in terms of having it maybe be both? It doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying it has to be one way or the other. The fact of the matter is it's kind of like the evolution issue. You know, we, we, we can look at our evidence and we can say, 
this is what we think, you know what I mean? But at the end, I don't know. I mean, only God knows how this is going to totally play out, right? So, um, so I mean, I asked somebody else who is had similar es- eschatological views as you all, and and I said, well, why do you worry about doing good things in the world? And they said, well, you know, my grandkids or uh, children, you know, I, I don't want the world to be worse for them, you know. Uh, I'm going to try. And I said, okay, well, then, then we're on the same page as far as that goes. Uh, I do, and to reiterate, I think technology can be used for good or for evil, um, and I do see evil uses of technology. I don't think that's hard to see. I mean, I think we can see them pretty easily. Um, I I think the concern is, is if you throw the word transhumanism out, a lot of people will uh, – there are people out there that want the word transhumanism to their se- themselves because um, because they know they recognize that some of these technological changes are happening. They're going to continue to happen, and they want to have uh, you know they want to have uh, control over what happens in the future. And so, what I'm saying is, don't necessarily throw that out. If something is evil. Uh, and we see that it's evil. Like we see people, we see ISIS cutting people's heads off. That's evil. There's no getting around it. I don't know how you justify that as not being evil. We need to call that out, that that's evil. You know what I mean? And we need to say that it's evil. Um, but the terminology that we use shouldn't forsake our using technology uh, for um, good purposes that Christ calls us to. And we shouldn't limit ourselves based, I wouldn't say, we sh- we sh- I would say we shouldn't limit ourselves as to what our potential could be to use technology. So, for example, and this is this would be more controversial f- for your your listeners. So maybe get your uh, yeah. your ratings up a little bit, right? So I've ar- ar- articulated that um, issues of longevity or living for forever is not something that uh, Christians should totally reject. And the reason I say that is, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul and early Christians had a very clear understanding in their mind. A belief that Christ may come back and they might not die, that he'd just take them with them. They, you know, you might call it the rapture or whatever you want to call it, but uh, that this would happen. And, you know, then that didn't happen. And we've lived through generations of people dying. So, like, I asked my congregation, you know, in worship, how many of you think that you're not going to die, you know, and Jesus is going to come back and you're not going to have to die? No one raises their hand. There's no hope of that whatsoever. Well, what's to say that Christ doesn't call a certain generation to work through singularity or whatever you want to call it uh, to work towards that ex- eschatological purpose of rapture? And that comes as a combination of the spirit working through human beings using technology. Uh, totally possible. Uh, I don't see why that's not a possibility. It doesn't mean that Christ doesn't have ultimate authority. It doesn't mean that Christ doesn't come back and engage forces of evil technology or whatever. It doesn't eliminate any of that worldview. Uh, but I don't think we should limit ourselves, uh, limit the scope of our hope of what Christ can do. And, and that's part of what I'm trying to get at. So I'm not so fixed on saying, hey, we got to do this or we got to do that. What I'm saying is let's explore and see what the possibility is. The church seems to be, from my estimation, always 20 years behind on really what's going on technologically. That's not universal, but the larger church is, you know what I mean? And my thing is to say, why shouldn't we be up front helping to shape those things prayerfully? Right. Now, you keep actually using a term that I think is key, and that's limits. Why should we limit something? Why would we, um, you know, and, and that's kind of a question I want to ask you, which is, what are the limits to you? 
I mean, uh, again, going back to genetic modification, sure, if we could get rid of cancer, that's one thing, but what if we could change our DNA to live for a thousand years? What if we could change our DNA to sprout wings? What if we could use our DNA, uh, you know, for some kangaroo legs or something like that? Yeah, or, I mean, what's, what's it? I guess the, that goes back to as a community of faith, uh -huh. What have we prayerfully discerned that it means to be human in the image of God? And right. I would just say we have just begun to scratch the surface of our understanding of that. You know, right. what I mean? like you don't so think when you that... think so when you go to heaven, I mean, mm -hmm. you don't assume you're going to have your current body, right? <laughs> I hope I don't have my current body because it's a mess. You know, what I mean, I right. got all sorts of stuff going on. So my my thing is, is you know, something's going to be different. So the question is, is, well, what are the limits to what can be different and I can still be me? You know, right. have you heard about this guy who's going to have a head, his head put on another body? Yeah. yeah. Right. You've heard about this guy, right? Yeah. yeah. So the question is, that guy still him? Right. That, I, I mean, mean, that is a big question. That's yep. a big question, right? So, so I think we need to start discerning that. Like, uh, you know, uh, do, do you have to be in your, I mean, you know, you, you know, the whole deal about you have totally new cells or whatever after so many right. years. Right. So, so it's like, what is it that makes up you, you know? And I think we have to be prayerfully discerning. What does it, what does that mean? So it's not to say it's like, um, to me, if, um, uh, like we have, we have rules and regulations right now. So, uh, if someone, uh, wants to uh, drive, right? There's a rule they got to be so old to drive, uh, right? And we, as a society and a community, have put those in place because people who under 15 or whatever the, the you know, 15, 16, um, we don't think developmentally they're at a place where it's okay for them to do those things, right? Right. Uh, you're not, you can't go into a tattoo shop when you're five and ask for a tattoo and get it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's certain things you, you theoretically. Could, <laughs> yeah, there might be some, but, but, you know, we, you know, in civilized culture, that's what, that's what we tend to do. Right. And so, so the question would be, well, what happens if, uh, if someone wants to, um, go get their eyes, uh, changed via their genetics, their eye color changed, should they be allowed to do that? Um, right. I think what they do is they'd say, well, yeah, at a, at a certain age when you are in formation enough where you're rationally mature enough to make the decision, um, then yeah, you can go have that. You know, if you want to uh, make your hair hot pink genetically, um, that's okay. You know? Uh, so then the question becomes, well, what are the limits of that? You know what I mean? Am I allowed to, am I allowed to have a six pack? Uh, you know, uh, can I well, have six pack abs? Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really terrible at like keeping weight off. There's some people who have genuine problems keeping weight off. They're like right. genetic, their health issues. So, right. so I think what we do as a community, we begin to then put into place like, okay, here are the laws and the restrictions that we think are ethical and whatever. But if we outright reject the fact that this is coming, then someone else is going to make those decisions for us. I, well, guess, I think I, this I, is part yeah, of what we're the, trying to do. Crux, yeah. Part of what we're trying to do is is sort of uh, get your idea of what these limits are. I mean, of course, changing your hair color and getting some robot abs, I'm all about that. But when it comes to exactly what you're saying, the image of God, when we are already made in the image of God, how far is too far and what 
steps outside the boundaries of that. And what are the boundaries of that? And going to, and I'm, I'm really not trying to build a straw man here, but I'm, oh, uh, I want to ask, I want to ask the legitimate question. What if I want kangaroo legs, like actual yeah, yeah. hairy kangaroo legs and a tail? You yeah. personally, yeah. if you were in charge of the theological debate, if Basil can have kangaroo legs, give it to me straight. Well, if I was in charge, what I would do is I would go and get a bunch of Christians and I would sit and we'd pray about it. And we'd say, what are the ethical ramifications? See, I don't think I should. This is part of my issue with post transhumanism folks is I don't think we should be allowed to do this stuff in isolation. Sure. And when we make these decisions on our own and we don't make them in community and we don't have a conversation about it, then essentially what we're doing is, is we're, we're trying to play God. And, and I don't think that's appropriate. So, you know, personally, I, you know, what are your reasons for wanting kangaroo legs? I'm really trying to get into the Olympics and a little chimera action with. So this kangaroo. here's a here's a good thing. And Zoltan Isvan, who I disagree with all the time on stuff, like he's talked about. Eventually, there will be transhumanist Olympics where people will be able to, you know, because look, right now it's like you look at a guy like LeBron James genetically, like that dude's a beast, right? You put, mm-hmm. I mean, anybody in the NBA, like I look at the guys who are little and they're, you know, six inches taller than me, easy. Right. And so, um, the thing is, 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 okay. So, so what happens to sports then? Uh, there's going to be rules about that. There's going to be rules as to what happens. Now, I don't know that I think that, um, when we start looking at steroids and we start looking at those other things, I think there are not long-term studies of the negative effects on steroids. That's my opinion, uh, looking into it. And I've, done some research on that. I, I think uh, we are quick to demonize steroids, and I think that the issue is, is is when you start looking at steroids, there's some health benefits for particularly males when they're older. You hear now about low T and all that stuff with people. I think, I think we need to begin to have rational conversations about it and not just outright demonize stuff. We right. need to say, well, what are the benefits of this? And, you know, so if you say, well, I want to go into the Olympics, and I say, well, you know what, the Olympics actually, they're not going to allow kangaroo legs uh, and because, you know, or they're only going to have a kangaroo leg section, you know, then let me, let's talk about how is, do you believe that God's calling you to this and how does this work with your vocation as to what you believe God's calling you to do and how you're ministering and witnessing in the name of Jesus Christ? And are these kangaroo legs the things that are going to get you to where you want to be? You know what I mean? And so then if it simply becomes a point of like, well, I don't know, you know, and and it's not to say we don't do things. Certainly, I mean the clothes we wear, the um, you know how we style our hair, or things right. like that. Some of those are personal preference issues. We're talking a little bit more about uh, you know mixing DNA with animals, right? And well, and this is fascinating. I don't know if you guys watch Doctor Who, but Doctor Who addresses a lot of this stuff. I think even in the second episode of Doctor Who uh, of the new Doctor Who, they there's the they there's a lot of them. <laughs> He and he and Rose go to see the end of the of the world. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yeah, that's and, that's a few seasons ago, but yeah, I've, I've yeah, seen it's, that. It's the, like the, it's like the first new, the second new episode of Doctor Who of the of the. What I'm saying is in the first se- new season, right? Not the old right. Doctor, right? But 
they go and there's this and there's the oldest woman left right and she's just this like piece of skin yeah. right you know that and yeah. so uh, and, yeah. and, and they're wrestling with like well is that still human and rose is really upset with this because uh she that is not her idea of embodiment you know what i mean uh that's not her understanding of embodiment um my question becomes kind of more nuanced though is you know well what happens when we start to build um artificial intelligence that resemble um you know cylon kind of technology that we're talking about you know what i mean they're that they they have flesh and skin on them and they come to you and they say hey you know what I, i've really been praying about uh this and I, I i believe that jesus christ is the savior and and what can i do to follow him well, at that point, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to say, no, I'm not going to do it? You know, or what happens if someone genetically modifies a cat and the cat starts talking to me and says, you know, am I going to deny that, that, you know, being, uh, you know, from participating in Christ's redemptive purposes in the world? I mean, you know, no, I, that's the, that's my response. I, I would say no. So, uh, the, the question is, is I think we're going to have to radically start to look at what it means to be human. I think where you're really going to start to see this is when we start to integrate. Uh, and you're going to see it in the next 10, 15 years, certainly in mass scale, uh, virtual reality. Right. Uh, I, don't, sure. I don't know if you guys have been in like Second Life or virtual communities. Fascinating thing about that is you get in there and you start to identify with your avatar as being like you. And, and I think there's something very interesting about what that means. And it's not just projecting, I mean, disability communities, there's a lot of people in disability community um, who are on second life because they can't walk in this life, but right. they, under, they understand that uh, somehow the, their current state is not what they're meant to be. And they see that as, you know, a way to enact kind of where they're, the direction they're supposed to go. And I've had conversations with folks about that. So I, I, I think like, it's not so easy as just to say, well, can you have kangaroo legs? I think it's, I think it, no one will just, you know, certainly there'll be some rogue scientist in some country somewhere else that will say, oh, I'm going to put kangaroo legs on a baby or something crazy. That'll happen. I, I don't have any questions. But would you say, I mean, if I just ask you, if somebody else build a baby to have kangaroo legs, would you say that's evil? I, I would personally because the baby didn't have any choice in it oh sure i mean i guess my question is where in my personal um journey going into a transhuman lifestyle where the limit is for you but for you it it doesn't seem like you have any firm limits it doesn't seem like uh any sort of chimera situation why would or, I, I? I wouldn't want to limit God. I sure, guess that's I absolutely. I don't think anybody wants to limit yeah, God, but so, I, so, I don't know if so it's necessarily if God. God if a scientist is giving me a well, if God, an if injection, God, if God tells us it's appropriate, yeah, but you have to do this all the time, right? You go to the doctor, and it's it's the vaccine argument that everyone has. You know, do you get your kids vaccinated or not vaccinated? There's right. an ethical decision, you know, and if you know something about how vaccines can be stacked. Do you understand people who are anti-vaxxers concerns, right? right? But if you, if you also understand that vaccines can genuinely help people to not have disease, then 
that's, you know, also an ethical decision you have to make. So, uh, like our, my child, my, my infant son, you know, we're having him vaccine, we're having vaccinated, but we're doing that in stages so that they're not stacked, uh, because that reduces his risk of something going wrong. And it long term, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a ethical, uh, decision that we're making right. and we're doing it within the context of being faithful and prayerful and we love our son and we wouldn't ever want anything bad to happen to him. And, uh, and so we pray about that. So then, so the context then becomes, well, um, you know, a, I don't want to limit God, but God, God does say, put some things that are limiting and they're limiting for our good. Right. So, uh, you know, don't make any false idols. Um, you know, so if you're getting kangaroo legs because you want to show off your jumping prowess or you want to be able to stand up on your tail and box gongs, you know what I mean? Then, uh, I then, that. yeah, then, <laughs> then that might not be the best reason to get kangaroo legs. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But if someone gives you kangaroo legs because, um, I don't know, there's some, uh, you know, situation out in the bush that I need to bring Bibles to. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, then maybe that's, maybe that's what God calls you to do. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think it's all being prayerful and discerning about what it is. Um, and I think humanity's already wrestling with these issues. Um, but I think if, you know, if I could make a plug, my plug would be that Christians need to embrace transhumanism insofar as they need to, we need to further investigate what it means to be made in God's image. And we need as Christians to not divide one another. Cause I mean, even talking with you all, Hey, I think we're on the same page as far as making the world better. If we, as much as we are able to, and, and to uh, help humanity to be better. Uh, now we will might have different definitions of what better means, <clears throat> but we talk about that and we do that in community. We pray about that together, but we can be, I think, united in that. And we need to move forward to say, you know, the Christian idea of what it means to be better is pretty different than what this post-human idea of being, you know what I mean? Sure. Part of what I wanted to ask you too, is that, you know, this, this movement of genetically changing and experimenting, these kinds of things uh, we think are already happening. I mean, there's been reports of, yeah, for a couple of years ago, it was, uh, you know, 150 human-animal hybrids being developed in the lab, you know, in the embryo stage or whatever before they killed it. So this kind of stuff is already happening. I guess uh, you had mentioned we are behind on the conversation of technology and science. I mean, uh, I haven't been a Christian for my whole life, but ever since I became one, I saw that the, you know, the institutional side of church or whatever is behind on that conversation. But at the same time, People like Ray Kurzweil and others, the sort of secular transhumanist perspective, they're saying we're going to achieve human immortality by 2045 and, you know, radical changes happening very soon. 2045 is 30 years away. You know, that's not right. that's not that much time. That's in our lifetime. Right. How much impact do you think we can actually make when I don't know that unless we create some sort of theocracy or or you know, and, and a council of ethics from the Christian worldview or something like that, some sort of uh, structure that would guide that process at a global scale. Uh, I don't know how much impact we can actually have in terms of, you know, changing the course of the overall development of it. So I mean, what are your thoughts on some of that? Well, one, I'll say, have you seen The Transcendent Man? Have you seen that? The Ray Kurzweil film. The documentary about him? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ray is obviously... Uh, 
I think he has good intentions on a lot of things. Uh, but you know, right. Ray is obviously mourning the death of his father and yeah. part of, you know, I've seen other things with him where he, in that film, he suggests that there is no God. And later on in other things, he suggests that, that he's coming around to the idea. So, you know, Ray, somebody, I'd just say, I'd encourage to pray for him because if, sure, if, yeah. you know, if, if Ray could understand that, um, he, he doesn't have to be responsible for bringing his father back. Uh, that, that, you know, the father that he loves, he can be united with him, uh, potentially again. Uh, I think that's a, that's a sense of, of help and healing for Ray. Um, I don't, I don't buy 2035 or whatever. I, I don't think anybody who talks to folks who are doing any kind of neuroscience, we just don't know enough. And maybe we have some exponential growth, but I, I just think that's, I, I think Ray Kurzweil will die and you'll see it in your lifetime. I mean, um, and I, I, if I had to go out on a limb, I think I'll die and probably you'll die, you know? And so, uh, you know, we're talking down, down the road here. Uh, we're a long way from, you know, we might extend people's lives. Certainly you'll see ex- people's lives being extended. Uh, we've seen that already. I've seen that in my lifetime. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. The question is at, at what level? So, you know, that's, that's one side of it. So I don't know that we're on the, the short time frame as we might think. The other side of it though, is, is Christians have a tremendous impact in the world. Um, and the problem that keeps us from having a larger impact is that we so often fight uh, about, and we're judgmental. I mean, if you want to see uh, horrible con- comment sections, go to Christian websites. And, you know, the fighting yeah. that we engage in and that instead of – and, you know, it's not a question of whether people bait us or flame us online. That happens. Uh, but we don't talk about – when we talk about things that where we're judging them because we see them being against Christ's purposes in the world, we don't talk about those things in humility. We don't express the fact that we love people. Um, we, we don't get into those things. And so, you know, I, I think there's – if we are, t- if we unify, and this is why I'm advocating and I'm talking to people about transhumanism, if we advocate together, then we have the Christian transhumanist organization. I don't know if you guys have looked that up yet. It's kind of a, a we've thrown a wide net. You know, we're not getting super theological with it. We're just kind of saying use technology for uh, to uphold Christ's commandments in the world, kind of thing. Um, that's ChristianTranshumanism.org. Um, but if you if you go there, you can see. I mean, we're we're trying to organize people because I do think we can have a big impact, but we can't do it if we fraction off. Uh, now there are some groups like Westboro Baptists that I think are radical. I I wouldn't say uh, some of the behavior that I've seen is emblematic of that which I would concern uh, consider following Christ. And so I do think we need to say, look, that's that's not what we stand for. But there are some things like like you and my eschatological differences, whatever they may be, they don't need to diff, they don't need to separate us so much that we can't move forward in in at least agreeing that hey, we need to be in this conversation and talk about technology. And and sure, the yeah. other the other thing is is I think Christians miss fundamentally the the understanding of disagreement within the church. 
we take conflict methodology and we take it into the church. And I think what we miss on that is we miss the fact that, you know, my responsibility as your brother in Christ is to assume that when you disagree with me on something, to assume the best of you and to, to ask, how is it possibly that the Holy Spirit is working for, through you in a way that the Holy Spirit isn't working through me? And vice versa, you're supposed to do that with me. And it's usually somewhere in the middle is where Christ's purposes actually are. And we, we fail to do that on a regular basis. So, you know, unless two or three are gathered, I would say, then, then you know, um, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for us to come to what Christ is calling us to do. And so I think... You know, we have a biblical charge to be in community. We have a biblical charge to engage the world. And I think we need to continue to do that and be uh, be fervent about it. Sure. And I, I suppose, you know, I, I want to bring this up because, you know, it's something that we discuss on this show. And it's part of, I guess, part of what people uh, call us crazy for. But this topic of the Nephilim, Genesis 6 and the flood and all this stuff that um, I don't know that it's mainstream within Christianity or not, but it's certainly something that's caught steam and, and people are really talking about it. But the mention of the Nephilim in Genesis 6 and the sons of God taking the daughters of men and taking them as wives, and, and, and this is all prior to the flood, and we've looked at some very you know intelligent people in, in the biblical scholarship community have suggested that it was, you know, angelic or divine beings that were mating with human women, and somehow this created a race of giants called Nephilim, and uh, they also exist post-flood as well. Many of us believe it's through Nimrod, and we see the Tower of Babel, and when we look at the Tower of Babel and Nimrod and these things like the Nephilim, it sounds very similar and familiar to us in this time and day now because of all the changes in genetics and technology and science and everything else. When you start looking at some of the passages that were written back in Genesis 10 or 11 when it's talking about the tower, you know, nothing that they imagine to do will be impossible for them. Well, that sounds right. like what you're talking about with matter, you know, so it, there's some parallel sure, but, there. But what, what was the reason that the Tower of Babel was a problem? They wanted to go destroy God. Hubris! That's, well, no, it's not just hubris. They wanted to go against, I mean, it is, but it's not just that. I, just I mean, it's. To yell that. They, <laughs> <laughs> but but they part of it is they want to go against God. And this is the right. whole concept with the Nephilim, right? I mean, this is the issue with them. Like, they're fallen, right? And so the, the deal is, and N.T. Wright argues about this, like when uh, he, he, he contends, you know, in his, in his book, like, well, what's the difference? People always say, what's the difference between then and now? Well, we obviously, all the the laws we find in Leviticus weren't most of us as Christians aren't upholding all of those things. Right. And we're not upholding all of those laws because Christ has come and, and there's uh, um, you know, we, we see things in a, in a different view at this point. And it's not to say that that's, that they weren't appropriate for the culture or the time. Right. But uh, you know, if you get mold in your house, you're probably not going to open your Bible right now to figure out how to, to deal with the mold in your house, you're, you're going to go and you're going to find someone who's an expert scientifically in mold and deal with that. And you're not going to see that as being against God's will or anything like that, because that was for particular context, particular time. Well, as Christ has come to, you know, interlock, uh, you know, heaven and earth, um, then we see that we have the opportunity. And again, it's this, the weed and the wheat, you know, it's like, 
Uh, yeah. Are there times when people have used technology for horrendous things? Absolutely. And will God punish them for that? Absolutely. I don't have any question about that. Like injustice will be punished. You know what I mean? But when we submit to Christ uh, and we submit humbly in that, then then what we understand is we deserve judgment, but we will not sit in judgment uh, because we are in Christ's grace and his love at that point. And so what we try to do is is we try to act on, on behalf of, and does that mean we may misstep on things? It may mean we may misstep. But on the whole, I think what it means is that we are working towards things that are better. So, uh, you know, I, for me, it's interesting. People always say, well, do do Christians believe in aliens? Like my dad had said this to me. He watched the the Indiana Jones movie, you know, spoiler alert, with the 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 crystal skull. Right, and he's like, yeah. he, he was really concerned because my dad is kind of a marginalized um, person on the fringe at the time uh, with, with, with the church. And he said, what's this do? Doesn't this throw a monkey wrench in your faith? Like, doesn't that insult you that they talk about aliens? I said, why, why would that insult me? I said, uh, the Bible talks about, uh, talks about angels, right? That seems like an alien to me, something that's capable of apparently interdimensional travel or something like that's pretty, you know, alien to me. So does, do, does it mean that um, there can't be something else out there? No. And does it mean that Christ's uh, redemptive purposes can't be extended to them as well? I would say no. Uh, I would say we have, God has revealed this to us uh, as human beings to be his followers and insofar as we know of it, we have responsibility. But does that limit what God's grace can extend to? Absolutely not. And so um, I don't see that, at least. You know what I mean? If, you, if you're willing to follow God, um, then, then, you know, you can be in that grace. If you're not willing to follow God, then, then I think, you know, whatever judgment is there, which is not for me to put out, um, then you will have to deal with, you know? Right. So. I would say that Dr. Michael Heiser would argue that those, you know, the other beings, if you will, the, the ones that you sort of related to the aliens, um, and, and, you know, we don't consider them aliens because traditional alien is sort of a biological evolutionary thing, and I don't necessarily want to get into that, but uh, the fact that there are other intelligences, corporal or other dimensional or whatever, that has been part of the biblical worldview from the beginning, I think, you know, for... Right. But it's interesting because there are passages that talk about God's judgment of the gods, this divine counsel that, that Dr. Michael Heiser talks about. And so, you know, uh, tying it into the whole transhumanist conversation, if we open up these different realms, do you think that, uh, and you talk about the, you know, sort of an intelligence that takes over and, and the machine that becomes sentient, that sort of idea, you know, it just seems like, how do we know that it's something that we birthed, you know, uh, Kevin Kelly who wrote, um, yeah. the, the, what technology Kevin wants. Kelly? Yeah. yeah. Wired.com wired co-founder. Uh, he suggested that we have given birth to this technium and that, you know, we are both slaves to it and the masters of it, which I thought was really interesting and pretty, uh, on point in terms of observing this technological explosion. But how do we know, uh, you know, how much control we have over it? And I, you know, it just seems to me that from a biblical view, there is a certain point at which this whole, direction of transhumanism and just the what you know whatever it may look like either under the guidance of christians or not is eventually going to be part of this sort of antichrist system and, and so i guess that's part of the alarm for me is when i hear you talking about it yes I, I totally i can totally agree with you in terms of making sure that it's 
progressing in a way that is ethical and biblical and, and, and you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but at the same time, how do we deal with those outliers, you know, that might. So, so let me ask you, so would you articulate that uh, whether you think someone could be a Christian and a transhumanist? That's a tough question. I don't know. I mean, biblically, God created kinds, right? You know, he said the animals are after their own kind. This is in Genesis. And so when you start mixing those kinds, are we still human? You know, that's, that's a question I don't know. I'm not sure if I have an answer well, to that. Could be but, a whole, there could be a whole lot of kinds that God didn't create. Sure. And he, and he, allows, he allows man to name them and participate at a basic level at that point. And maybe that's something that we're able to actually you know, develop in the future. And I mean, we, we, you know, we breed cats, right? So, uh, uh, various animals, all of our food now, I mean, I know people get all crazy about genetic modification, but pretty much all of your food has been genetically modified. So I I don't know anything that you eat that hasn't at one point had some kind of genetic modification, you know, like, um, it's just, just reality. I think part of the science of it is, is, um, this is a process that we go through. And I think the, the question is not an issue of the technology in as much as it is, is the use of the technology and who sure. determines to use it. So my, what I've argued with artificial intelligence is I think if you build something that is super intelligent, okay, hyper intelligent beyond what we can understand and it has sentience. Okay. So it's not designated for a purpose. It's just designated to exist. And it actually can rationally deduce using its hyper intelligence. I think it would choose to be uh, follow the ways of Christ because I think they are, are logical for the bettering of the world. And I've actually suggested that it may be that hyper intelligent forms of artificial intelligence might actually help lead us to new ways of holiness uh, because they actually are more devout in some things than we are uh, now. It also may be that we modify ourselves in ways. Uh, that lead us to become more holy. And I don't know what that would look like, uh, but I wouldn't say uh, we take it off the table. The, the, I think the issue is, is we have to know what holiness looks like beforehand. And the church, sure. isn't, yeah. the church really doesn't seem to, the church seems more concerned about, um, you know, worried about it, what everyone else is doing, as opposed right. to worried about being holy and being Christ's vessel here. You know what I mean? Right, and, but once once and, once it becomes sentience or sentient, uh, how do we, we? There's no guarantee that with its own ethics and morality, just because you know you say logic from the human perspective of where we are now, logic in terms of you know well, why why do sense. you have? Let me, so let's take that back though. Why do you have faith? Why do I have faith? Yeah, uh, both. Emotional, spiritual, intellectual, a combination of all those things, uh, looking at the resurrection of Christ, the blood that was shed, and, and coming up with a conviction. So, so would you say you're at least of average intelligence? Sure. Okay. So Wait it's something. <laughs> I knew, I, 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 I teed that one up for you. Uh, but, uh, so, so then, so something that's super intelligent, right? Would it be able to logically come to those conclusions? Would God be able to spiritually work through it? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess saying... I mean, you know, if God can talk through Balaam's donkey, then why can't God talk through artificial intelligence and work and inspire right. it? Right, but, but say, say talk talking, through... 
you know, Satan talk through Judas. So how can, you know, can Satan talk through technology? Yeah, I would say, I would say potentially, I would say potentially, but the question is then how, then what is our process of discerning, uh, discerning how technology is used in a good way? And if ultimately we believe that Christ, you know, has the victory at hand, um, then ultimately, and all things will be redeemed in heaven and earth, um, then technology will be redeemed, right? And maybe we're part of that redemption process. What do you say about Wozniak saying the robots are going to enslave us? <laughs> I, is Wozniak a Christian? That is a really good question. Doubt it. <laughs> yep, I'd love to see. I mean, it's fascinating how many of these folks that are like, because, you know, the big thing that, that I got... You know, Zoltan Isvan, who's an atheist, wrote an article about me in Gizmodo, and I. Someone asked me what I thought about artificial intelligence, and I said, "What?" Well, uh, they asked me about. You know, they were asking all sorts of things, and I just said, "I don't think Christ's redemptive purposes are necessarily limited to human beings." And they heard redemptive, and you know, people started saying, "Oh, he's going to baptize robots," and they were all worried about what happens when a robot gets water on it and all these crazy <laughs> things. You know, like, and I mean, they're, they're worried about that. But what they don't understand is what I'm saying is, look, I can use anything. I can use anything, and right. and so I, I don't see. I'm I'm not concerned about it. Well, then that got international attention. Like on the Daily Mail, they did a feature article on me and compared me to Bill Gates. Uh, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, who have all these dystopian understandings of of AI. Well, the question is: is what, where did what ideological, philosophical, or theological viewpoints are those dystopian uh, realities coming out of? You know what I mean? And my thing is: is is um, I do think the world, in some ways, is better than it's ever been before. You know what I mean? If I have to go have surgery, I'd rather do it now than in eighteen twenty. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think the world's better in that way. And so, uh, I, I mean, if you ask me any time I'd like to live in history, I'll tell you right now. Uh, I sure. think it's better than it's been before. You know what I mean? And so, I do think the world's getting better. But in some ways, like, it's the weed and the wheat. I think in some ways, it's there's some scary things, and it's going to get worse. And Christ is ultimately, you know, the, the disciples asked Jesus about this, they, uh, they you know, about the, the weed and the wheat. And the question is, is well, should the, should the weeds be pulled? And he says, well, at the end, he's going to come do that because you shouldn't do it now because you might hurt some of the wheat. So so the thing is, is that fits with your theological eschatology, I think. And that that doesn't mean that there isn't an end times uh, purpose for Christ coming back and doing. I'm not trying to eliminate Christ's role by any stretch of the matter. What I'm saying is. Uh, I think as human beings, we get in this mindset of woe is us, and we just don't believe the 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 reality that Christ can work through us in some unbelievable in our mindset now way. So it's like you know, before Pentecost, some of those disciples I think looked at Jesus and went, "Man, I could never do that," and then after Pentecost, they're doing it. And what I'm saying is, some of these things may act in that way and christ's reality in the world and the holy spirit's reality in the world may use these things to allow us to do things we've never dreamed of before um but if that happens it's our responsibility as christians to use them for god's purposes and so i what i don't want to do is i don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater on the transhumanist thing i want to rally people to get them to have educated conversations about these these issues. And I do want the concerns that we have that are legitimate, I mean, you know, uh, about 
how we would, you know, use the technology to be addressed. And so I would encourage Christians to have those conversations. That's part of why we started Christian Trans. Uh, Christian Transhumanist Association is because we want people to be there. We want Christians to have these discussions and talk about, well, how can we affect things in the world? Do you realize the Transhumanist Party that Zoltan Isfahan is is directing right now? I mean, the last two articles Zoltan's had out, you know, um, well, maybe the not the last two, but within the last ten articles now, but he writes a lot of stuff. So, right. uh, but I mean, he wrote one about disability, where he was advocating that we ought to take the money that we currently invest in things like uh, disability ramps and sidewalks. Now, from a governmental standpoint, we ought to put it all in advancing technologies to try to eliminate disabilities. Well, you know, if if we're trying to help people with disabilities to overcome the disability, that's a great goal, but we don't just abandon people who have disabilities now. And he wanted that to be part of the transhumanist party platform right now, right? Uh, which is a whole group of people who have, and I would actually say there's dissension even within that group about the stuff that Zoltan is writing. This stuff is up for grabs. The other thing he right. wrote was th- this ridiculous article saying that only Christians and religious people are fundamentalists. And so when you go to the airport, you sh- only, uh, religious people, not atheists, should have to go through TSA because there's no such thing as a religious uh, or an atheist uh, fundamentalist. And I think that's absurd. It's, <laughs> look at Stalin. I mean, yeah, right. well. you know, I mean, give me a break. That's a ridiculous argument. And he, he wrote in his thing, he thought that should be part of the transhumanist platform. Now, that has nothing to do uh, with transhumanism, in my opinion. And I don't think Christians should idly sit by and let those kinds of bad behavior go on. Now, I will say I've talked to Zoltan several times on the phone. He is a charming fellow. If he advocates for good, he could be a, a fantastic advocate for good. And I think Christians need to support him and embrace him insofar as he does good in the world. Uh, but when people act badly, we should not just sit by and go, you know, that's okay. Because it's not. It's not okay. Just like we don't think it's okay for someone to go shoot people up in a church. uh, It's not okay for us to be bigoted in our opinions about people or to cast people aside uh, who are in need. And uh, and Christians have a responsibility to stand forth for those purposes and declare Christ King in so doing. Boom. Well, this has been... No, you're good. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, I think we're coming to the end of Gonza's time here. Uh, yeah, I gotta real, get running. I, I, had sucks. Somebody, I had somebody send in a question. Let me read it real. I'm just gonna read it to myself and see if we, we edit all this. So <laughs> we'll make sure to make you sound, you know, cut out the parts that make sense, you know, and then just, just the parts that make you sound crazy. That's that's what we're into over here. Christians so. should love robots. <laughs> you know, and I appreciate you guys being willing to talk about it. I mean, this kind of conversation is exactly what I think needs to happen. We need sure. to be having real conversations about things. And, and you know, it's not like we're confrontational. We're, we're brothers in the Lord. And so the thing is, is um, you know, and I fully will be the first person to say, look, I, I could totally be wrong on stuff. Um, on sure. plenty of this stuff, you know, but, but my thing is, is I think if we're humble about it and we seek God's discernment that, that my experience is that, that God will lead us. And so, um, so I, I think that's, it's commendable that you're, that you're willing to have these conversations. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks brother. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question. I posted on Facebook. You may have already answered it, but you can 
just real quick give a, a, a brief answer. This is um, a question from Melissa on Facebook, and she quotes your article, and then she says, how does embracing transhumanism bring redemptive purpose, or might I say power, question mark, was the cross not enough to bring full redemption to all mankind without the use of new technology? Do you not fear this will lead people away from the cross of Christ or believing in the inherent word of God as their redemption? No, because uh, what I would say is, uh, again, this is along the lines of N.T. Wright's Simply Christian book, is that uh, we are called as Christians to uh, partake in Christ's redemptive purposes in the world. So we don't see biblically, um, it's not like Christ ascends to heaven and everybody goes, oh, that's great. Let's just get our lawn chairs out and wait. You know what I mean? Like they're out doing Christ's work in the world, right? And insofar as they feed people or they clothe people or they whatever, whatever the need is, they're addressing that. And technology is just a tool to do that. And transhumanism uh, can be a tool for that as well, I think. And so um, so, so that's how I would see it. I'm not worried about it leading people away. What I, what concerns me, I, I worry about, I worry about us giving the transhumanist movement over to people who would not honor God or good in the world. And I, I am concerned about that. And so I think that we should not just hand that over. I think that that's why we there's organizations like Christian Transhumanist Organization, whatever. And you know, I've, I've, I've if you go to my personal website, uh, which is ChristopherBenick.com, you'll see that I've also written other articles about how I see this redemption happening. So, like, I think, for example, virtual reality is going to help in some ways uh, help us with the language barriers that that we read about biblically uh, in in the Tower of Babel. Uh, uh, scenario and and begins we begin to see some of that redemption come through through the technology that that'll be used in virtual reality and we're already seeing some of that with Google Translate and some of these other things we don't see Google Translate as an agent of the devil at least I don't um, I, you know being able to communicate somebody is good and that's a redeeming thing and I think Christ enables us to do that but we need to do that in a way that you know if I'm using Google Translate to uh, look up ways to curse somebody out that I'm not using it for the purposes of the Lord. And you know what I mean? And so in so if we all begin to use them for people for purposes that are that are negative in the world or of evil, then I think you're gonna see a Tower of Babel scenario probably. Uh, but I, I don't think that's where we are. That's not my understanding of history uh, or where God is leading us. And so uh, so I'm not I'm not concerned about it in that regard. I, I would just encourage Melissa to be involved uh, in helping to shape the transhumanist movement. There yeah. you go, Melissa. Yeah, that's really it's it, just to wrap it up here and uh, just drop a couple of the thoughts. But you know, I would have loved to have more time to get into some of the the current cultural ramifications of transhumanism and and I think things like um, gender identity, a move towards androgyny. Which, uh, which is something that is talked about a lot in, uh, esoteric philosophies, ancient mystery school type of stuff that incorporates sort of a quasi version of Christianity in a Gnostic sort of way and, and kind of combines all these different mysteries. And they have a very similar outcome as the transhumanist, as even the Christian worldview of immortality, new bodies, things like that. But the redemptive, 
process is different in that one, you know, the Christian worldview is Christ that ultimately restores everything, not us. You know, we may take it to a certain level, but it will be Christ to ultimately fulfill all that, uh, as opposed to this more humanistic, since it is, you know, trans, regardless of how you define trans, is human, you know, the human part of it. It seems to be embody different parts of what man is trying to do and man alone without God. And do you see where I'm going where there's well, the I think same? I, I yeah. think that's a danger. I mean, I think that's a danger when man tries to go to long alone. I think that's the danger. And I think that this, and you know, that's where we need to, we need to be humble and we need to, um, you know, we need to work together for those purposes. And if, and if we don't do that, you know, it's different, but yeah, I, I, you know, I would say to you, I I would love, you know, if, if you guys want to have me back sometime to get into some of these other things, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, cause I think they're conversations worth having. Um, you know, and I know that, um, I know that we've kicked around with the Christian transhumanist association having, uh, some conversations, um, and maybe some podcast stuff there too to to begin to have some of these com- conversations more. So, but sure. invite you to be part of that as well. But yeah, I think those are good questions. I mean, um, we're definitely going to have to look at our identity, uh, particularly when you look at artificial intelligence. One thing I, I suggested is, you know, a lot of times I think we've created this false identity for ourselves that God loves us because we're the king of the hill. You know, we're the most intelligent thing there, and and I think. Um, you know that, or that we're special that way. You know, and and I think that's not why we're special. It's we're we're special because God loves us. That's it. Right. We're special because God loves us. It's not because of how smart we are. It's not because of how good looking we are. It's not because of whatever. You know, it's because God loves us. And so, you know, our concept of identity, I think, is going to be we may be humbled more and more uh, through this process. Um, and, and I think we need to be preparing for that. Uh, you know, if, if I could give somebody, you know, a recommendation, what's the best thing they can do to make sure that artificial intelligence doesn't go astray, I would tell them, um, you know, go get in a, in a church and, and learn your best to be holy and demonstrate that. Because if it's, if it's intelligent and it's autonomous and it has the choice it's going to learn by people who model behavior. Uh, it's going to see experience. And if there are no examples of that, then what do you think it's going to do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and so, sure. you know, and so, um, so I think, I mean, I think these are really important questions that you're raising and you guys may have a whole set of questions that, you know, Christians who are in the transhumanist movement, uh, haven't thought about. And I would say you guys, my sense is, is that you guys just from what you told me from your background are kind of more on the, on the conservative side of Christianity, uh, even though you might talk about things that, that might seem more fringe. Uh, and I would say that's actually really needed because there isn't a whole lot of orthodoxy in my opinion within, um, even Christian transhumanism right now. And my hope is, is to get some of the, the larger, um, you know, kind of more established uh, denominations involved in these conversations now so that we can look at the history of the tradition uh, in a more educated way. If you're interested in, in this, actually, in um, September at Samford uh, University in Alabama, there's going to be a, a church and transhumanism conference there mm. um, that it's going to happen. And there's a lot of scholars, a guy, Ron Cole Turner, who uh, Ron uh, wrote a book uh, called uh, 
transhumanism and transcendent and actually has been very critical of transhumanism. And when I graduated from my program, he is my mentor said, I don't know that I could ever call myself a Christian transhumanist. And now he's come back and said, well, you might be, you might be changing my mind, you know? And so, so the thing is, is because his understanding of transhumanism was simply this post transhumanist, transhumanist understanding. And he said, that's idolatry. And I would say, yeah, I can see that. I agree with a lot of that. So, um, but that's not what I'm advocating. And so um, the, I, I'm trying to make that distinction clear and uh, to get these discussions rolling, you know, and you guys are, you guys are helpful in that because you care about it and you, you understand, um, you know, at, at some fundamental level, what, what's going on here. So, right. Well, that's interesting. We might have to do some live reporting from that conference. Hey, love, love to have you. Have you? Yeah. There's a lot of people who are going to be speaking, and I'm sure about the concerns and the and the you know and and I'm I'm actually speaking in a couple places this summer. I'll stick up on my website so you can see. But but I'm going and talking about Christian transhumanism with folks who that they're anything but. You know what I mean? So I see this as an opportunity for God to help um, spread the gospel to places that it, it may not be yet. And so, right. um, so well, very so good, buddy. This so. has been a, a great conversation, and uh, you're, you're a nice fella. You got a good heart. You got a lot of suffixes on your name, um, <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Doctor. And so, uh, why don't you, real quick, give us where, if anybody's interested in looking at more of your stuff or to find the article we referenced, uh, where can where can we get a hold of you? You can go to my website. It's ChristopherBennick.com, and all my uh, social media connects are there. And then you can also go to uh, ChristianTransHumanism.org. Social media connects. All right. Well, sounds good, buddy. Thanks again for coming on the show, and we're definitely going to have to get you back on because uh, we got a lot more questions. Sounds good. Thanks so much, guys. God bless. Take it easy. God bless. Thanks, Chris. All right. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. That was uh, Reverend Dr. Chris um, and his take on Christianity and transhumanism. Gons, I, I don't know if we mentioned it uh, during the episode, but you guys actually kind of kind of had some some contact outside, like, like when you posted a thing about his article. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we first met because I read his article on Christian Post, why Christians should embrace transhumanism, and I made a video responding to it, just basic points, and we obviously couldn't get into a discussion, but then he tweeted back at me, and, and that's when he um, he and I started just communicating back and forth, and I thought it was uh, an opportunity to bring him onto the show and just have the conversation, so yeah. I thought it was a good conversation. I think it helped grasp sort of you know his perspective on things, but also clarify where it felt like it you know some of it wasn't compatible and we, we didn't right. have time to dig too far into that but uh you know it was, it was the start of a good conversation i thought right well i mean it's a good conversation to have and obviously he comes from you know the the education and, and the side of the you know tracks where uh you know they're really really trying to bridge the gap between science and um religion or christianity sure which was kind of his whole education and sort of his whole mission that he was sent on from you know from his school so you got to understand that and and keep in mind that you know he was particularly in a brand new um education path a brand new education path right um 
and, and graduated in the first class uh, whose purpose was to kind of um, reconcile God and science, which is good, which is something I think we, we all appreciate. Sure. Um, but, but definitely some, some different views than uh, we usually like to, to uh, express here on the show, at least. You know, I thought it was interesting. It, it was kind of hard to get a, you know, a real, a real hard answer on my kangaroo legs, though. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the point, though, is yeah. that, you know, I, I would be troubled if he said, yeah, man, no problem whatsoever. Right. I, I think I'm, I was glad that he sort of put caveats in there. At right. Least, uh, you know, and, and it really does make sense, you know, I mean, if, if God for some reason wants me to have kangaroo legs and that helps out my ministry, you know, then it's, it, it, it's an interesting way to look at it. Sure. However, I do think that, you know, the more you sort of accept the the transhumanism thing, I mean, I think post-human can sneak in so easily. And, you know, once you're open to augmenting the human form so much, whatever the mark of the beast is potentially could even slip in without even being noticed, which I think yeah. could be a concern as well. Well, I mean, just all the recent years with um, certain guys speculating on the possibility of having the mark of the beast basically have something to do with DNA change. Right. That whole aspect of it, if true, I mean, it's funny because we've kind of gone past that so quickly, you know, like, Oh yeah, yeah we kind of had this understanding, but we've, we've blown past that now. And now we're at this point where it's like, Oh, we'll just change our matter entirely. You know, we right. control matter right. from, you know, the smallest quantum levels to whatever, and we can shape our own reality and all this stuff. It, it, you know what? I, I didn't really mention it during the conversation, but there is a sense of like uh, not entirely a pantheistic view, but there was a hint of it, you know, in that, you know, there, there's sort of a, uh, a monotheistic, I don't know, I guess that's a conf- conflict. If you say monotheism, are you, are, you and pantheism. The, are you talking about the, you know, everything is God's technology? Type? Yeah. Yeah. The control of matter, that sort of thing. It's not quite pantheistic monism, but it's close. You know, it's kind of got that, vibe to it but it's still coming at it from a monotheistic it's like a it's a hybrid it's a nephilim, it's a nephilim it's, philosophy <laughs> it's an, an, an interesting thing to take away from that guns um so anyways i hope everybody uh, enjoyed the conversation i i like i told him i think it was good to give him a chance to kind of explain things in a longer format because by just reading his article it, it is actually was pretty inflammatory to those who are anti you know transhumanism there wasn't a lot of explanation so it was sure. it was nice to hear kind of his heart and, and his full thoughts on things i'm not sold on the whole thing um but you know there we go we understand a little bit more where he's coming from yeah i would say i can meet him about maybe 20 to 25 percent of the way uh but the rest I, I i still wouldn't necessarily say i agree with um you know well, i'm still hold, holding out hope for those kangaroo legs <laughs> So there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Hey, here's some cool things, Gons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, we have canarycryradio.com where you can find this episode and a whole bunch of other episodes about really, really cool stuff. And uh, they have show notes and links and things like that. And you can also sort of interact with other people who listen to the show. And it's great. Go do that. Go do it now. Talky, talky buttons. Yes. Also, we have uh, Facebooks. There's the Canary Cry Radio 
Facebook. You just type in Canary Cry Radio. Also, Gons and I both have personal Facebooks. I got new sunglasses. He has new sunglasses. I'm a cat with the cowboy hat on. It's fantastic. We have a good time. So go be our friends. And um, you can get all the updates and cool stuff we talk about there. If uh, this conversation or any of the other Canary Cry Radio conversations have uh, touched you or edified you or, or just given you something to laugh out during the day, uh, you, and you feel led by the spirit, that spirit has touched your, your head, your face, and uh, your, your face, feel, your face, um, and you feel like supporting Canary Cry Radio financially. There are, are also ways to do that. Um, this is a free podcast. We're, we haven't been doing any advertising or anything fancy like that. So uh, really, your generosity is keeping the lights on over here. So if you go to canarycryradio.com, there's a support tab. And under there, <laughs> under where? Under there, the support tab. <laughs> Come on. That, that wasn't bad. <laughs> under the support tab, you can uh, sign up for a monthly donation in different amounts, $5, $10, $17,000 a month. Um, we're still waiting on that one. And that just happens automatically. And it happens every month. And it's great. Do it. Forget about it. Awesome. Forget about it. Forget about it. But if uh, commitment's not your thing, you can also make a one-time donation in any amount. Any amount. So that's really great. And you guys have been so generous. And thank you to everybody who yes. has helped us out and signed up for that $5 a month, $10 a month. It really um, feels, feels so good. feels so special that you guys care about us and care about all the top ramen I get to buy with it. You know, I was um, thinking uh, we can probably put out like six or seven flybys to stall the 100th episode till like 2017. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Well, why would we do that? I don't know. Okay. Are you threatening the people? Are you threatening them? <laughs> We're just going to do flybys forever till we get $8,000? <laughs> Inside joke. You can check out our Facebook if you're interested in what that means. Anyways, so there you go, folks. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode of Canary Cry Radio. Make sure to tune in next time. Oh, I almost forgot. Go to iTunes. Yeah. Leave us a review and a rating. It's very important. Lots of people don't know this. But if you go there and you leave a rating or a review, that's stars and words. Um, it really helps us out on iTunes, gets the word out there. And, um, we you can, know, we've been getting some good ones recently. We have. We have been getting some good ones. Are we going to read one? Yeah, we can each read one, maybe. You know? uh, that means I have to open iTunes. Oh, no. Open iTunes. I just did it. Click, click. Now look who's the sassy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Cyber Mayhem Divinity said That's a cool name Unquestionably the best podcast when it comes to science, religion, and many other topics in relation to biblical Christianity Lots of speculation with the balance of heavy facts and evidence to support what is being said Humorous and actually very interesting and yet fun to listen to Even if you're not a Christian, if you're into critical thinking, this is for you Also, check out Face Like the Sun's YouTube videos, Age of Deceit, Fallen Angels in the New World Order, and Age of Deceit 2, Alchemy, and the Rise of the Beast Image. Awesome work, wow. guys. You really went for the whole thing that time. Good job. Thank you for that review, Cyber Mayhem. Guy. Cyber Divinity. Mayhem. Divinity. That's epic. Um, with, here's, with lines. I'll, I'll do a more critical one, because that one was that one was so so praising. It was nice. Um, I'll just, I'll, par I'll paraphrase. No, I'm just taking 
<clears throat> wow, I got something in my throat. I'll take out one Esophagus. of one of my favorite sentences um, from uh, a review here. This was rated three stars. Um, I, I won't say his name, so I'm protecting his identity or her. Who knows? Um, and it says, I cringe at the ridiculous banter and the utter silliness of Basil's humor. <laughs> You're not cute, dude. You're not cute. I'm not cute, uh, guys. So if you don't think I'm cute, you can go to iTunes and let everybody know how not cute I am. Okay? Okay, cool. All right. Anything else, Gons? Don't be trolls. Don't be trolls. Don't troll. Don't be okay. troll. Don't. Let the internet be a happy place. All right, everybody. Again, one last time. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Tune in next time to Canary Cry Radio. But until you do, think outside the cage. outside the cage troll think outside the cage think outside the cage think outside the cage I'm not cute <laughs> dude alright we good we're, we're good yeah